While I was listening to that hymn, there are three things I was thinking about. More love to thee, O Christ. I was thinking, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to love him more. And I love people who love him and want to love him more. I've entitled this message, The Wisdom of God in a Mystery. The Wisdom of God in a Mystery. In verses 1 and 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul stated, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined, I made this my resolve, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now there is the key to understanding the Bible. In that statement, Paul said, I made this my resolve not to know, not to esteem, not to view anything as important, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what every scripture means. You have the key to the scripture right there. If it doesn't lead me to this, I've misunderstood it. This tells me who God is, Jesus Christ and him crucified. This tells me who man is, the crucifixion of Christ and the wickedness of man to perform that act. This gives me what the law really does. It condemns. Even when sin is found on God's son. God condemns him. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is the gospel. And only in this message, Jesus Christ and him crucified, only believing this message, do I want to serve God like we just heard in that song, more love to thee, O Christ? Not out of trying to earn his favor, but because I have his favor in Christ crucified. And then Paul said in verses 3 through 5, And I was with you in weakness and in fear, and in much trembling. I hope I know a little bit more about that than I ever have before. I don't want to misrepresent the Lord. I want to give what this book actually teaches. And it scares me to think of not doing it, to be giving my own thoughts and my own opinions and what I think. Here's what I think. I don't want to do that. And scares me. 
Fear, not fear of men, fear of God. Conscious of my own weakness. Trembling lest I'm somebody that sent myself and not someone God has sent. I do not want to do that. He says in verse 4, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Back in verse 17 of chapter 1, he said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Now, that's manipulation. That's what it is. It's trying to market the gospel, package the gospel, make it more appealing to the flesh and less offensive. May God deliver me and you from ever doing that, trying to make our message pleasing to men. Paul said, if I please men, I wouldn't be the servant of Christ in Galatians chapter 1. He said, my speech, verse 4, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, Paul says, I preach the truth. And I wait on God the Holy Spirit to bless it. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm not, I want you to believe. I want to be persuasive. But I preach the truth and wait on God the Holy Spirit to reveal himself, the gospel to you. And here's why, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power, in the omnipotence of God. I, don't you want your faith to be the product of the power of God, where he worked it in you, he gave it to you? That's the kind of faith I want. Not something I come up with, but something he gives me. Verse 6 Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. And that describes every single believer. This is not talking about spiritual maturity here. This is talking about what every believer is in Christ Jesus. By one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. If I'm in Christ, I'm Perfect before God. God sees no sin because there is no sin. Christ put it away. Bathe in that as the Lord enables you. When he looks at you, he sees someone without sin. Somebody says, but I know I have committed sin. Christ put it away and made it not to be. And in God's sight, every believer is perfect. Perfect, perfect in Christ Jesus. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Now the wisdom I'm talking about is not the wisdom of this world. Now when Paul is speaking of not using the wisdom of this world. He's not talking about the wisdom of arts and sciences and 
the wisdom that the Lord has given some people to make medical advances and ways to feed more people and technology that helps uh, the world. I'm thankful for those things. And he's not uh, diminishing that kind of wisdom. It's his gift. You know, when I was thinking about this, I thought, Lynn, you just had a liver kidney transplant. What wisdom God gave those doctors to be able to do that. And I'm thankful for that. That's the gift of God. Um, what, we're not diminishing uh, the wisdom that is found in men that God gives them. But he's talking about worldly wisdom. The wisdom of the world that doesn't know and doesn't love God. Paul said the world by wisdom knew not God. That's where that wisdom got us. The world by its own wisdom knew not God. Look in verse 19 of chapter 1. For it's written. <laughs> how I'd be interested to know how many times Paul says that in his epistles. It's written. That answers it. It's written. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? The wisdom employed by preachers to market the gospel, to make it less offensive and more attractive to the natural man. God does not use that wisdom. May God deliver us from ever seeking to remove the offense from the cross to keep some son of Adam happy. Verse 7. But while we don't use the wisdom of this world, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, Paul says we speak. We speak. David said, I believed, therefore have I spoken. What we believe is what we publicly confess, what we speak, not just in private. I love it when they ask the Lord of his doctrine. He said, why are you asking me? Ask them that heard me. We speak. If somebody wants to know what I believe, don't ask me. Ask the people who hear me preach. They'll tell you what I believe. I'll if, you, if somebody says, do you believe this? I might say yes, I might say no, but the people who know what I believe are those who hear. And it's the same way in our conversation. We speak. We speak. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom. Now, there's only one time in the scriptures, where the Lord is said to rejoice in spirit. I'm sure he did many other times, but as far as what we have recorded in the scriptures, there's one time 
where the Lord Jesus Christ was said to rejoice in spirit. It's found in Matthew 11 and in Luke chapter 10, where at that time Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. Those who are in their own eyes are wise and prudent and hast revealed them. These things you've hid from the wise and prudent, you've revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Now, if it's good in his sight, can you rejoice in spirit? He's good. Whatever he does is good. Even the hidden wisdom which God hath ordained before the foundation of the world. Now, the Lord said to his disciples, unto you it's given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them it is not given If you know the mysteries of the kingdom, it's because he has revealed the mysteries of the kingdom to you. And someone that does not know the mysteries of the kingdom, he has hid it from them. Wherefore, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That's scripture. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, Paul calls this wisdom in verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God and in mystery even the hidden wisdom. God's the one who hid it. And look what he says next about this wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. This wisdom is as old as God. It doesn't have a beginning. It'll never have an end. It's the eternal truth, the eternal mystery of God. Paul spoke in Romans 16, 25 of the revelation, the uncovering, the apocalypse of the mystery, which was kept secret. Kept secret. Since the world began, but is now made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. Paul asked the church at Ephesus to pray for him that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That I might speak it boldly as I ought to speak. And he asked the church at Colossae to pray that God would open a door of utterance to preach the mystery of Christ. Now, understand this. And you will if God teaches you, and I will if God teaches me. I can say understand this. That doesn't mean you will. If God teaches us, we will. But understand this. The way we use the word mystery is not the way the Bible uses it. When we speak of a mystery. When we think of mystery, what have you ever said to somebody, it's a mystery to me? You know what you mean by that? I don't know. 
I don't know the answer. It's a mystery to me. That's what we mean when we use the word mystery, but that's not what the scripture means. It doesn't mean I don't know. It's not truth concealed. That's not what the Bible means. It's truth revealed. Truth that would never have been known had not God made it known. Now, that is the mystery of Scripture. When we're talking of the mystery of Scripture, we're not saying, I don't know. We're proclaiming the mystery of Scripture. We're saying this about the mystery of Scripture. It's something we could have never known. We wouldn't have even suspected it had not God made it known. Oh, the mystery of the gospel. I love that. It's... Can't thou by searching find out God? No. No. A mystery cannot be understood. You can use all the powers of your reason. You're not going to understand it. A mystery cannot be understood. Only believed. It can't be explained. Only proclaimed. That is the mystery of the gospel. It's mysterious. It comes from God. We speak, we preach the wisdom of God in a mystery. And in true preaching, there's mystery. The mystery of Scripture. It's, it's so awesome. It's so above my understanding. I believe it. I can proclaim it. But as far as being able to... I'm going to explain to you the Trinity. Oh, will you now? We believe the Trinity... We believe God is one God and three distinct persons because the scripture teaches that. But this is not something I understand. And really, I've even heard people try to illustrate the Trinity. Well, it's like water. You know, water's it can be frozen or it can be liquid or it can be vapor. That illustrates the Trinity. No, it doesn't. Not even close. That's, a, that's, a, that's some silly human. This is not to be, it's to be believed. It's to be bowed to. It's you, you hear this and you just, you worship God for who he is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is mystery. Now, mystery is not mysticism. Have you ever heard that term mysticism? Mysticism means truth revealed without the use of means, without the word. A mystic has God revealing some kind of truth to him. Well, how do you know it's truth if you don't have the word to verify it? That's that's. Foolishness is what it is. Nothing more. Only the word of God tells us the truth. So when we're talking about the mystery of the gospel, we're not talking about mysticism. Mystic religion where God just directly reveals something to you and then you know it. And Well, how do I know God revealed it to you? How do I know it's even true? Do you have the word of God to prove that it's true? We're not talking about mysticism, but we are talking about the mystery of the scripture. You know, the first mystery is the Bible. What a mystery. The Bible claims inspiration. And because the Bible claims inspiration, it's up to you to prove it's not inspired. And you can't do that. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed, literally, God exhaled. Every word in the Bible spoken just as God would have it said, inspired by God. Holy men spake as they were moved 
by the Holy Ghost. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. First Peter chapter 1. How mysterious. This book is the Word of God. The first mystery is the Bible itself. The Lord said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy Word is truth. We read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, of the mystery of God and the Father and Christ. Now, God has made known his character in this book, and we would never have known his character without this book. What if you were totally dependent upon me to know God? You wouldn't know him. That's the fact of the matter. You wouldn't know him. But God has made known his character in this book. The revelation of the mystery of his character. I've already touched on this. The mystery of the Trinity. Can I understand that? No. Do I believe it with all my heart? And I think of the Trinity and salvation. God being one God in three distinct persons. In the beginning was the word. The word was with The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. A distinct person, yet God. The Word was God. He was with God as a distinct person and He was God. Now in the Trinity, I need God to choose me to be saved freely as an act of His grace. That is God the Father's work in election. And this is not just a doctrine I fight for. I won't be saved without this. And let me also say this. You can't preach the gospel without this. It's impossible to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and not preach election. The work of God the Father. The work of God the Son in redemption. I need him. Put away my sin. I can't put it away. I can't make it to not be gone. I need him to give me his righteousness. This is more than something I just give assent to. This is something I need. The work of the son in redemption. I need him to die for me. I need him to represent me. I need him to save me. I need. I need God the Holy Spirit to give me life. I need God the Holy Spirit to give me a new heart. I need God the Holy Spirit to give me faith. I need God the Holy Spirit to give me repentance. I need God the Holy Spirit to give me love to Jesus Christ, the Lord. I need. Now can I explain the Trinity? Of course not. Do I need the Trinity and all the persons of the Godhead in salvation? Yes, I do. This is a whole lot more than doctrine I'm going to argue for and strive for. I need God to be who he is. We read in Ephesians 1.9 where it says this, Having made known to us the mystery of his will. He made known to us. And he wrote it down in this book, the mystery of his will. Now, when this is talking about the mystery of his will, he's not talking about, well, 
I'm trying to find God's will for my life. I, I need to find out where I need to live and what job I need to do and who I need to marry and where I need to be. I'm not saying those things aren't important. And I'm not saying that there's not a will of God in all those things. Uh, but when he's talking about the mystery of his will, he's talking about what the Lord was talking about. In John chapter 6, verse 38, when he said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. But raise it up again at the last day, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life, and I'll raise him up at the last day. That's God's will, his will of redemption. You remember when he came to Paul, Ananias came to Paul, and he said to Paul, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee. You reckon Paul was surprised when he heard that? And this is true with regard to every believer. The God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldst know his will. His will of redemption, his will and salvation. And see that just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness to all men of what you've seen and what you've heard. The mystery of his will. By the which will. By God's will. This is the mystery of his will. By the which will. By God's will. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But God willed every believer to be sanctified perfectly through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And this is talking about the will of God. We would never have known had not gone, God made it known. The mystery of his will. He doeth according to his will. In the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And you know, our prayer is, from our heart, Thy will be. Is that your prayer? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 1 Timothy 3.9 speaks of the mystery of the faith. Everything we believe comes under the mystery of the faith. Faith itself is a mystery. Would you have ever figured out <laughs> that salvation is by faith and not by works? You wouldn't have even suspected it. I think of that scripture, to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifies the ungodly. Would you have figured that out? No. Don't you love this? One thing you can't do at the same time is work and believe. To him that worketh not, but believeth. If you believe, you know you can't be saved by your works. If you're working, you can't believe. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. We read of the great mystery of godliness in 1 Timothy 3.16. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. What a great mystery that is. Why was he manifest in the flesh? Well, that leads us to the Great mystery of the covenant of grace. How before time began, Christ agreed to bear full responsibility for every one of his elect. 
And he came in the flesh to do that. God was manifest in the flesh to save his people from their sins. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This comes out of the great mystery of Christ and his eternal unity with his people. The union between Christ and every one of his people. Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Don't you love it when Paul's talking about marriage in Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 22. And when he gets down to verse 31 he says, This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ. And the church, the two shall be one flesh, eternally united to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you're talking about union with Christ, you have to also think about our union with Adam. The mystery of our fallen Adam, Adam was a representative man. What he did, the entire race did. When he fell, you fell. When he sinned, you sinned. Somebody says, I did not. Yeah, you did. Because scripture says you do. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. By one man sin entered the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men in that all sinned. All sinned. When he sinned, you sinned. Somebody says, I don't want to be held responsible for somebody else's sin. You're not. You did it. You did it. And this is true as well. When Christ kept the law, I did too. Just as truly as I sinned in Adam, when Christ kept the law, I kept the law too. Uh, wherefore, it, it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. In Christ shall all be made alive. Now, these are mysteries that we would never have even thought of. <laughs> I love what uh, Charles Spurgeon uh, said in a message with regard to justification. He said, if an group of the highest archangels would have been asked, how can God be just and justify the ungodly? He said they'd be scratching their heads up to this day. No one could come up with anything like that. But God, that's the great mystery of the gospel. God made this way to be just and justify the ungodly. What about the mystery of God in the cross? The cross of Jesus Christ, the most glorious thing to ever take place, the most wicked thing to ever take place, the most diabolical thing to ever take place, the greatest sin to ever be committed, and yet the most glorious thing to ever take place, how God saved his people, manifested who he, who he is through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wisdom shown in making this way for God to be just and justify the ungodly and the power to execute it. He was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Paul spoke in Colossians 1.27 of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. I love it when Paul said in Galatians 1, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son 
in me. Now, if all he did was reveal him to me, I'd forget. That wouldn't be enough. But he revealed his son in us. Being born of God, being a new creature in Christ Jesus, having a holy nature that does not sin. Mystery. Mystery. The mystery of predestination being realized that I will be perfectly conformed to the image of his son. Mystery. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. We don't try to explain it away. We don't try to put it in human terms to make it understandable. You know, that's what most of these other versions of the scripture are. They're not really, they're not translations, they're they're interpretations. Here's what I think it means. And you can get these weird, uh, uh, so different from say what our King James says. Now, I I love the King James version. I don't want to, I don't, I don't don't want anything else. Uh, Somebody says, uh, well, that language is archaic. You can understand it. As easy as you can anything else. That's just that's just men's objections. No, uh, I realize it's an, it's a translation, and only the original Greek, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic is actually inspired by God. I realize that, but I believe this to be the best translation because these other translations try to give their interpretation of the Bible. I think the the biggest example would be. Where only in the King James Version do we read where we're justified by the faith of Christ. Every other version says we're justified by the faith, by faith in Christ. Well, it's not my faith in Christ that justifies me. It's the faith of Christ that justifies me. I believe that. Somebody says that's nitpicking. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's nothing nitpicky about that at all. It's the difference between Christ doing it all or man cooperating in this thing of salvation. We preach, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, not one of them, not one of them. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see, they would have known who he is. He is, don't you love this name, the Lord of glory. May God take the mystery of the gospel and reveal himself through that to our hearts. Let's pray. Lord, as we think of the mysteries of your word that you've been pleased to give it to us to know the mysteries of the gospel. Lord, we know it's only because you've made yourself known and our, our response is, who am I that you do this for me, to me? I'm so thankful. Lord, enable us to preach the mysteries of the kingdom 
deliver us from the wisdom of words, man's attempts to make the gospel more palatable to the natural man. Lord, deliver us from that. Enable us to preach the mystery of the gospel and wait on your spirit to make yourself known to those who are hearing. And Lord, as we prepare to observe the table in remembrance of you, Lord, enable us to to truly remember that all of our salvation, all of our salvation is in the shed blood and broken body of thy dear son. Lord, enable us to do this with joy, with faith, thinking of the glory of the broken body and the precious blood of our Lord, what it accomplished in our behalf. In Christ's name we pray, amen.